Are you qualifying out your bad fit clients or are you still taking every job that comes along, whether it's profitable or not? In this episode, I'm going to show you how you can elevate your brand positioning above that of your competitors simply by qualifying all of your incoming leads. And to be clear, there is no one thing that will position you as the premium option, right? You've heard of positioning statements and target markets and pricing strategies and all of that, right? All of these things play a part in how your brand is perceived in the market. They're all part of your brand's positioning. So what I want to go through today is how to use a qualification process to show separation between your business and that of your competitors, right? Which will then position you as different and premium in comparison. This is the Brand Sprint Show with Bruce White, the podcast for thinkers, writers, and researchers to get the best practical advice on how to consult, how to sell, and how to deliver brand and strategy sprints right across your clients' business life cycles, because you can always add more value. Let's get into it. So this is a really quick three-step formula that will work incredibly well to qualify your prospects so that you can stop wasting all that time on money and price shoppers. So for the sake of this episode and to avoid any misconception about this being all your positioning needs, let's just call this prospect positioning. See, Everybody knows that some clients are better than others and that if you want to attract higher ticket prospects, you're going to have to close them with some form of human interaction, right? That's just the reality. People don't get closed. Well, they can, but it's very, very rare that a high ticket environment can be closed simply via email or automation. But you never, ever, ever want to talk to anyone in a sales environment unless they know what you do how much you charge for that, and they meet your ideal client criteria. Otherwise, at best, you're always going to be chasing a maybe. And since screening every potential client in person is never going to be a scalable strategy, in order to only talk to the right prospects, you need to add automation to your qualification process, right? In fact, if you've been trying to attract higher value clients, and if you're not getting the results you want, you want, I can tell you it probably has nothing to do with your website design and it has nothing to do with how small your market is or how small you think your market is or how much competition you have or whether or not you offer discounts, right? It has nothing to do with any of that because at the end of the day, it's not how your business looks or even what you say about your service. It's all about positioning your expertise as the prize instead of the usual way we do it, which is positioning the client's money as the prize, right? So let me say that again. It is about positioning your expertise as the prize in this relationship instead of the client's money. And there's a formula for switching that perspective, right? So here's how it looks. Step one is called mirroring, okay? And that's just a really simple way of saying, we need to understand who our client is and what their value is to us. And then simply demonstrating through our actions that we are on the same level as them, okay? And this is where a lot of strategists get really stuck because they're still thinking of the customer's money as the prize. So they create this sort of imaginary, uh, we'll say status, quote unquote status separation between them and their clients, right? Which then is gonna result in either taking a subservient stance to the client and giving all of that power over to the client, or worse, only taking on clients who really don't fit the ideal client criteria, okay? Here's the thing. 
You can't perform your best with a limited budget, with ridiculous timelines, or with unrealistic expectations. But your customers expect your very best, no matter what you've charged them, right? If they thought that you were half-assing this, they'd go elsewhere. So you can't deliver a project that you believe is in alignment with what the client charged, if, well, excuse me, with what the client paid. If you didn't charge enough, that's on you. The client is still gonna expect the very best. So when you take on unsuitable clients, either because their budget is too low, or because their expectations are unrealistic, or even if your skill set is not the perfect fit for their problem, not only do you end up with unfulfilling projects for yourself, but your customers aren't getting the full benefit of your benefit of your skill set either, right? Because you've limited the scope due to whatever that was, low budget or time tight timelines or whatever. You've essentially handcuffed yourself and you've prevented yourself from being able to do a good job, right? So when mirroring, first we want to identify what exactly do we need to charge to attract the right clients. Now let me say that again. What do we need to charge so that we're attracting the clients that we need to work with for that charge? Remember, prospect qualification is a simple positioning exercise. And to position yourself correctly, you will be you will be building the foundation for your for you to, to start charging more for what you do. And the reason is you're presenting your business as being more professional by implementing the types of processes that higher value customers are used to experiencing, right? Processes which are in alignment with their own professionalism. Remember, I'm not talking about the clients who are haggling on budget. I'm not talking about the unrealistic expectations. I'm talking about the clients you want to attract. The higher budget clients have a certain set of expectations wrapped around their own professionalism, which is what got them to being able to afford that higher budget and being and, and expecting that higher value in the first place, right? So the first part of that requires showing that you charge the types of rates that those higher value customers expect. How often have you seen a price on the internet or a price on a on a service and thought, no, that's too cheap, it must be junk? Now it may have been fantastic but the person delivering that service or product didn't understand its value and didn't understand that they were positioning it to the wrong client. You weren't the right client for that service or product at that time. You were looking for something greater. You were looking for something better, more professional, uh, more complete, easier, faster. You were looking for one of these things and the price made you think you were not going to get the value you were looking for, okay? Same deal here, which is awesome, right? Everybody wants more valuable clients. Everybody wants higher value clients. And one of the first things you can do to get them is actually increase your prices. Now, there's more to it, of course, but stick with me, we're gonna go through that. So, I've put a worksheet under this episode that you can download or you can write these questions out as we go. I've got six simple questions and if you answer these on the fly, this is all going to become much more clear for how you can implement this today, right? As soon as you finish listening to this, you will be ready to begin implementing this. It's actually four questions and then two expressions of possibility to get you thinking the right way, but you'll see in a second how this looks. So the first thing I want you to answer is, how much do you currently charge? So grab the worksheet or grab a sheet of paper and just fill, in, fill that in now. Just the average price 
for your best selling product or service. If you've already productized and you've already got either just one product or a best selling product, put in what is the price you charge for that. If you haven't productized or if you're still bouncing around and customizing things for clients, what's the average price for your quote unquote flagship product? Okay, if someone said to you right now, how much do you charge for your services? What would be the gut instinct? What would be the gut reaction that you would say? Okay, I'm going to go through an example at the same time just to make sure this is really clear. So in this example, let's just imagine you would say $5,000. Okay, let's just say $5,000 is your average price or it's the price that you've put on your productized flagship, flagship service. Just put $5,000 in there. I'm just going to, as we go, I'll use $5,000 as my example. Your number is your number. Don't worry about the numbers I'm using for examples. It is purely for an example, so make sure that this makes complete sense to you, okay? Next question. How many customers did you have last year? Just rough numbers are fine. If you had if you had like a bunch of small jobs, uh, if you've been running less than a year, say that, that's fine. If you only had one customer, put down one. If you had 20, put down 20. If you had 200, put down 200, right? I know that in our first year, I think we had something like 36 customers, right? So at the original estimate of $5,000 per customer, we made $180,000 in our first year in business, uh, which is actually true. That was our first year, uh, first year's total. I don't actually remember if it was 36 customers, um, and I don't actually remember if it was 5,000 per. I haven't. This is we've been in business for. Uh, I believe pushing 14 years at this point. So I can't remember the exact numbers for back there, but just as an example, right? Imagine 36 customers at 5,000 per would be $180,000. So that's all we want to do here is how many customers did you have in your first year or last year, right? Now, now we're going to start, uh, start to get a little bit more interesting. How much do you need to charge? Now, this is the question that people always get stuck on. But if you could choose any charge for your service, what would it be? And I don't mean how much do you think it's worth. I don't want you to say, I don't know how much how much it's worth. I'm talking best best case scenario here. Build a future that you can be proud of. Don't worry about though. I know that right now you're thinking, I don't know if I could ever find that, or I could never find clients who would who would pay me that. That's not what I'm asking. What I'm asking is how much do you need from your services? to make this business make sense to you. And the reason that we do this, and the reason that we ask these tricky questions is to make sure that we're covering our monthly expenses and we're building a profitable business, not just buying ourselves a paycheck, okay? We know that for most uh, uh, strategy consultants or for service businesses in, in general, a project is gonna take, for example, between four and 12 weeks to complete, right? So you know that you need to make a certain amount in that time to live and to get by. And don't get stuck thinking, how do I find a customer who's willing to spend that? Don't worry about that yet. Whatever number we put in here, we can find customers who are going to be willing to pay that. So imagine you would like to make $10,000 per customer. And for some, you might think that's a huge jump going from 5,000 to 10,000. But all you need to do is invest what's required into finding the customer that is willing to spend $10,000 and they are out there, believe me. 10 grand is not a lot for a successful business, particularly if your services are supposed to help them generate revenue. So just to keep things moving, don't get hung up on the numbers. You can put down a figure that you think is completely ridiculous. Uh, you can put down 100 grand. The customers are out there for 100 grand. Your number is your number. The customers are out there, I promise. 
Next, we're gonna do, do something a little bit more realistic. We're just gonna take that original number that you put, your current charge, and we're gonna increase that by 20%, okay? Just add 20% on. We're not gonna tell anyone. We're not gonna send an email blast. We're not gonna make a big deal of it on our website. We're just gonna put 20% on top of our current charge. So for my example of $5,000, we would put that up to $6,000, okay? So at $6,000, Already you've added 20% and I guarantee that no one is going to know the difference between your service at $5,000 and your service at $6,000. Even if someone said to you, oh, I've only got $5,000. If you then said to them, the minimum my services go for is $6,000, I can almost guarantee that they'd find the other $1,000. It's really not that much when you're talking these numbers. If we were right down in the $500 range and you said $600, that's even less for them to find, right? So these, these numbers, don't worry about these numbers. At 20%, nothing will change except that you will pocket another 20%, okay? So write down on, on that piece of paper or on the worksheet if you've downloaded that, write down your number plus 20%, okay? And just take a look at that number. Just take it in. What does that look like to you? Is it 6,000? Was it uh, uh, 3,500, which is now, I think that's gonna be 4,200 and, uh, 40, yeah, 4,200-ish, something like that. Just look at that number. Your number increased by 20%. Now for the next one, Let's double our current charge. So in my example, that's gonna go from 5,000 to 10,000. And already, remember I said, these two were more thinking exercises for you to show you possibility, all right? So just to show you, to lead you through the opportunity you have to increase your prices in such a way that you don't freak out and think, no one's gonna pay that. We're not worried about people paying that right now. We're worried about what do we need to make this business profitable and make sense for us, okay? Already, if we've gone from five to six, already six to 10 doesn't look crazy, right? So write that down. Write down your current charge doubled. And again, I know that some of you are thinking there is no way someone's gonna to wanna to pay that, but that is just indicative of you working with the wrong type of customers. And by the way, even if your services cost a whole lot more, I suggest you do this. If you're already charging $100,000 for your service, I suggest you do the first jump to 120 and you do the second jump to 200. Do the same exercises, right? So uh, first up to 60% up to, um, and then up to 100%. Do both of those, fill them in, regardless of what your current charge is. And again, the reason we do this exercise is because we need to know our criteria. What do we need out of this business before we go looking for the prospects that can fill our criteria, okay? And then the last question, now that we've got all of those numbers, how many of those higher value customers do you now need to beat your current revenue? So let's say we pick $10,000. In our example, in year one, we made $180,000 of revenue, which was 36 customers at $5,000. So now, we'd only need 18 customers if we're charging $10,000, okay? So I've already halved my workload, I've halved the number of customers, and I'm already making the exact same amount of money, and this is just in pre-qualifications, right? If you didn't complete these questions on the fly, please do. It's gonna make things much more clear in the next steps when we start evaluating whether to work with your incoming pro prospects, okay? Which brings us to part two of the formula, okay? So part one was mirroring, 
uh, part two is evaluation. Now, even if you find a bunch of new clients and they all fit your new pricing, they are not going to be all of them the right fit for your business. So they also need to demonstrate that they will be easy to work with and that they will be manageable, as in willing to work within your processes and able to be managed from a client project perspective. We've all had those, those, those clients that, you know, we've charged what we thought was a fantastic rate. We've got, this was our dream client, they paid what we wanted, but then the client thinks because they paid so much that they can manage the project, uh, that they can change the, the project uh, criteria on the fly, that they don't want to listen to your recommendations. They just basically want you to be the, the mouse hand. Uh, they don't want to work within your processes. I actually had this. I had this happen with a, a sprint client. This is a $55,000 client. We, uh, we presented everything very clearly in our proposal. We presented everything very clearly in our contract that there were, we, we, we are paid by milestones. Uh, and he decided that payment would be done uh, the month after the milestone. This was during the project. And we actually had to have it out with him during the project. You've got to obviously have some skills to do that in a nice way and, and not burn the customer. But we need to make sure that the clients, these prospects that we're attracting, now that we've put these prices up, remember, you can always find clients for the price you want. You can always find those prospects. They're not all going to be the right fit though. We need to make sure that they are manageable and that they are willing to work within these processes. They're going to be easy to work with for you. There's no point halving your client load and then spending twice as much with twice as much time with each client. Okay? We are absolutely going to increase the amount of value we give per client and the amount of time we spend with them. There's no point doubling it though because now you're just doing the same amount of work with the same amount of money. What's the point in that? So, the way you find out if a prospect is going to be a good fit is to ask a series of five questions called the Bantz questions. And the Bantz questions, I'll put these on the same worksheet that you've downloaded. Uh, the Bantz questions are, are just an acronym for budget, authority, need, timescale, and suppliers. Now I'm going to go into more detail on each of these shortly, so don't panic if you don't write them all out or if you're looking at the uh, the worksheet right now. You'll have plenty of time as I go through and I explain these in one, these in more detail one at a time. You have plenty of time for this to make perfect sense and to picture yourself going through these questions with a prospect. Okay. Now there are two places that you'll need to have these questions handy and ready to go: in person and online. In person, because you never know when you're going to need to quickly evaluate a prospect. Right? Imagine that you're you're cornered. You're at a networking event. And someone says, hey, I'm looking for your services. Even if they take you completely unprepared, you can fall back on these questions. And in order to be considered a good prospect, someone has to start at the first question, budget, and they need to give you a response to all five. And there is no point asking the next question until they've answered the previous one with an answer that you like. Don't forget, your time is valuable and you can't afford to waste it on a prospect who's never going to go anywhere and who's simply not a good fit. Best to find that out now, thank them, tell them that you're not a good fit, and then I like to refer them to someone who might be a good fit. Uh, it never hurts for you to try and provide value to someone, even if they're not going to be the right fit for you. Try and make a referral. This person's got a problem that needs solving. Whether or not you're the person who can solve it, you can offer them steps towards that solution uh, by way of a referral. Okay. 
The second place that you want to ask these questions is online as part of your prospect incoming process. Okay, so for example, you could respond to an inquiry by sending a prospect to a web form, which would then ask these questions. That's also going to be a really good opportunity to ask other questions that you might need for your project management. Okay, but the most important questions for qualification, not for the project, for qualification are these five. Okay, so most important important question is budget. This is by far and away the most important question of all because if they can't afford you, <laughs> there's no point going any further, right? So what is your budget? How much money do you have to invest in this project or to invest in your business? That's what you're asking. Now to be clear, budget is not how much do you want to spend. When you say what's your budget, you're not saying how much do you want to spend with me and what's the maximum I could charge? If you think of it that way, that's how you will then shoehorn a less than optimal project into the client's budget rather than getting the right budget for an optimal project. Okay, very, very different perspective. So you're not saying what do you want to spend with me and what's the maximum I could charge. You're certainly not saying what do you want to spend with me and I'll find what I can fit in there. What you're saying is how much do you have to invest in your own business? How much do you have to invest in a professional's expertise to improve your business? It is far less intimidating to ask the question that way as an investment in their business, okay? And the first pushback that we get from this is because you think if you say to your prospect, how much do you want? You think that in their mind, they're thinking if I say 10, 10 grand, this person's going to send me an invoice for 10 grand and say, let's get on with it, right? But that's not what we're asking. We're not saying how much can we get out of you. So if the client did say 10 grand and your flagship product was five, you've got really good news for them, okay? If you follow your integrity, if you follow your desire to be valuable, if you really want to do this project properly and you know that your pricing says you do this project properly at five grand, fantastic news for you. I'm only going to cost you half that and we can redirect the other half into X, Y, or Z follow-up services, okay? So what we're saying is, what kind of resources do you have to invest in your own business? Not how much can I get out of you, okay? That's all we need to know. What kind of resources do you have and are you willing to invest in your own business? Next question is authority. This is, this is really important and it's one that is often forgotten because it's kind of a tricky question to ask. We wanna know who are the decision makers on this project. And we want a commitment that these decision makers will be at every single interaction to do with this project. They need to be at every single conversation. They need to be on every single Skype or Zoom call. They need to be included in every single email. Usually you're gonna find there are two, depending on the size of the, of the clients that you're working with. Typically, once you get into the five person plus size companies, there are gonna be two. One is the person who has the final say, that's typically gonna be the CEO or the founder. And then the other one is the one who's controlling the money. This is the one who's holding the purse strings, right? The, uh, the CFO in larger companies, or it could just be the accountant. It could just be the, uh, the, the money side of the partnership if there are two partners, right? Really, these are the only two that matter because these are the only two that are gonna give you the yes or the no to the project, okay? The people who use what you're producing for this client don't decide whether they move forward with your services. The customers who get the benefit out of what you're producing for this client don't decide whether they move forward with your services. 
the person holding the purse strings, the, the money person, and the person who is in charge of the project or the company, they're the only two that decide whether they're going ahead with your project. So from your perspective, these are the only two that matter, okay? Now, occasionally you're gonna have situations where they'll say, okay, the project leader is Mr. Jones, uh, and the money person is Mrs. Smith, but Mrs. Smith can't be here today, so just carry on and I'll, re I'll relay the information. You need to be prepared for this because the answer is quite simple, no, absolutely not. They both need to be there at every single meeting. And all you have to say is, okay, well, I'll tell you what, we'll reschedule because I really need both of you there. And that's gonna be further qualification. Even once you're into this project, that's further qualification of your professionalism and further justification of the, the uh, fees that you've charged to do this professional service, okay? Just, I really wanna be clear about this, just by behaving, in a higher value, more professional, process-based manner, you will be confirming their decision at every step that they made the right decision, spending more with you than they could have done with cheap price Charlie down the road. And remember this, if the money person can't even make it to a meeting, is getting you paid on time gonna be important to them? Are they gonna be easy to work with? This is all really seriously important stuff that you need to consider, okay? Remember we said easy to work with, willing to follow your processes, all of that stuff, okay? So authority is the decision maker and the purse string holder. Sometimes they're the same person. Uh, sometimes there are two, but these are the two you need to worry about. Question number three is need. What is their need? Ultimately, what do they want you to do for them? Okay, what are their goals? Uh, who are their customers? What are they expecting it to do for their business? This is gonna be your basically your project brief. Okay, this is a nice simple one. You know that you need to know what they need in order to know whether you can meet this need. Okay, this is not, can you build me a website? Yes, sure and then you find out they want you to rebuild Facebook at a budget, okay? This is, what are the nitty gritty details of this project? Is, the, is this in your wheelhouse? Is this one of your skill sets? Remember, we wanna take out all of that take any job stuff, and we only wanna work on the projects that we are ideally suited for. To know if we're ideally suited for them, we need to ask these questions around the need, okay? Next one, time scale. When are they hoping to start? If they say, uh, we don't really know. We're just sort of thinking about it at the moment. We're just planning this. Well, you know, at that, that point, they're either not serious or the budget question has scared them and they just don't have the courage to say that's out of our budget, okay? At that point, remembering we're getting a satisfactory response to every one of these questions before we move on. So every one of these questions is an opportunity for you to bail out of this conversation and say, we're not the right fit, okay? So even if at this point, at timescale on question four, if they give you some vague answer, all you need to say is, okay, well, that's fine. Let's just continue this conversation when you're ready to move ahead. And then you're not immediately gonna say to them, go away douchebag, right? We're not gonna say this person's not serious because you didn't get to question four without, think without them being serious at some point and during that time you've also educated them on why you're the right decision okay so at that point we just don't treat them like a hot lead we put them in the the cool to warm category and that typically is going to mean that we'll send them some content uh, we'll send them some collateral we'll put them on a list we'll keep them informed uh, maybe we'll put them on our on our project openings calendar list and they get told when there's an opening coming up. Maybe we get a cancellation, they get told there's an immediate opening. All of these sort of things we can do to build scarcity and we can build value 
before that client is ready to go ahead, okay? But obviously, if they're vague and they're non-committal at the timescale question, then this is not someone you need to chase right now. Um, just to make it even more clear, to make it even easier, in our experience, the timescale of over three months is not worth actively nurturing. We want prospects that have a turnaround in the near future, but if your calendar is booked far further forward than that, or if your projects take three to six months, then that's gonna be adapted to your, your needs, okay? So timescale, what do you need? And that's the question you need to ask. When are you going ahead? And of course, you wanna ask questions like, when are you finishing as well, right? So for, um, uh, if a client says we've got this 12-week project we want you to do and we need it completed in the next three weeks, well obviously they're not serious, okay? Also, for higher ticket clients, you're going to have to do some nurturing, okay? You're going to have to do some relationship building. But the response to this question is going to tell you whether they're serious about you doing that relationship building now, okay? So they're either going to say we're really vague about when we're going to start or stupidly unrealistic expectations about when we're going to finish like we're really hoping to launch in four weeks and they want you to you know rebuild uh, Twitter or something stupid like that or reddit so that could be absolutely insane and you need to manage their expectations around that time scale right from the very start the, the mistake we often make here is we'll say oh okay well let me look at my calendar and we'll see what we can do no, there's no see what we can do. If you know that we can't do this in four weeks, tell them, be honest, we can't do this in four weeks. Do you want to look elsewhere or do you want to continue the conversation? And then our last question, this one's really important, but it's a really tricky question to ask and it's one that I can almost guarantee you haven't asked before. Suppliers, have they currently got someone else who's working with them that you need to know about, okay? So for example, maybe they've got a consultant who's leading them through this new product release or something like that. And this consultant is uh, perhaps ego-based and a little bit fragile in the value they're delivering. So they're very, very difficult to, to work with, but you need to liaise with this consultant because the client wants the two of you to work together to make sure they're getting their money's worth out of these two professionals, right? Or maybe your client has a board of directors well, you need to know that up front. Are you gonna to have to present to those directors? Do those directors get a say in moving forward? Well, now we're right back to authority because they should, they will be part of the authority. Maybe it's not just the money man and the, the decision maker. Maybe the decision maker is the entire board, okay? Uh, do they have external stakeholders who need to be included? Uh, in the event that you're doing a product business, you might see this fairly often where they've got to worry about shipping companies, they've got to worry about warehousing companies, logistics, all of that sort of stuff. Are you going to need to liaise with, that, with any of that? You will know from your projects how those projects will affect your client. And in, in the event that your project, whatever you build, whatever service or product you offer to your, your client, in the event that that improves things for their suppliers or their stakeholders as well, well, we need to ask the question here, are those stakeholders going to need to be included in this, in this project? At which point you need to know if you get along with them, you need to know if this is a client that you wanna take on, okay? They may not necessarily be part of the authority, okay? The board of directors could exist, but the board of directors might not have the right to say, to make decisions. They may not be the decision maker, but you still need to know whether you wanna work with this board. We personally don't. I despise working with boards of directors. Uh, I won't go into any details on why because I'll probably get quite animated. <laughs> 
But no, I don't want to work with a board of directors. If my client has a board of directors, and often my clients do, I'm just right up front with them. I'm not delivering any of this to your board. I'm not interested in them bouncing around their, their subjective feelings about what I'm doing for you. Let's just you and I work together as professionals, okay? So you need to know at this supplier's question, who else are you going to need to work with? Is there a supplier, for example, with skin in the game? Have they made an investment in your client and therefore they're going to have their thumb on the scale on the decisions, okay? You need to know what kind of external suppliers that they're using or who are working with this business on this project and if there are any that you need to liaise with and if there are obviously you need to be aware of them at this point remember this is still pre-qualification these are the five questions you're asking to decide if you even want to go forward with this client okay so knowing these external suppliers is really really important and like I said you go through these questions with every incoming lead and if you decided that your projects require at least 10K and they answered less than 10K to the budget question, there's no point continuing to authority, right? Unless that's addressed, unless they increase their budget or, and I don't recommend this, maybe you decide there's something else you can offer that will cost them less. Uh, I don't recommend that from a, from a, a productized service perspective. Once you put a price on your productized service, that's the price, everyone pays that. You've developed that based upon the uh, the business that you're building. You've developed that based upon you knowing what you need to have uh, for your lifestyle, etc. Don't go back into the customized products world or the customized services world. If you've gotten so far as to productize your service, stick with it, okay? But I'm just letting you know that's an option there if you're still in the customized services world where you can say, okay, well, we need 10, you've got eight. Here's what we might be able to do. Again, don't do that. Uh, unless you absolutely have to. Same thing with authority. We know that there are decision makers. We know that they need to be included in every decision, in every meeting, in every Zoom or Skype call, etc. So we want them to say, yes, the decision maker will be at all of those. We want a commitment from them here, okay? And then just check that off your list. Check that off, B, A, okay? Need, we need to know that this is your area of expertise, obviously. This is something that you can knock out of the park. We're not just increasing our prices and producing the same old stuff. We're increasing our prices because we're taking a position of expertise in what we do, okay? So you need to take on projects that fit that. Timescale, we need to know that it has to be three months or six months or 12 months, whatever your projects require, whatever lead time you require, whatever you decide based on your experience, uh, indicates that the client is serious based upon when they want to start, whatever you, whatever you decide your projects require to be realistic based on when you want to finish, when the client wants to finish, etc. Okay, uh, and then suppliers, you can't really pre-plan this, but you do need to know who you're comfortable working with and who you're not. So maybe make out a list of any problems you've had in the past with people who maybe weren't the decision maker or weren't the people you were communicating with to start the project that came into the project during the process if they were external to your client's co company maybe make a list of those here was it a board of directors was it a, a supplier with skin in the game was it a logistics company a trucking company or something like that was it a consultant who was brought in to work with them who they then dumped on you and said liaise together right think about those things again you can't really pre-plan this from each client but you need to have an idea of who you're comfortable working with more importantly who you're not so if client x comes in and says we've got this consultant we're working with and you recognize that consultant's name from when you worked with client y you can just say nope 
not going to work with them. Sorry, they threw a wrench in the works. They diluted my product. They made it worse for the client. The client didn't get the value I could have provided because this consultant stuck his nose in where it wasn't where it wasn't welcome or where it didn't belong, etc. Okay, just have some gives that give that some thought. This is not an instant thing, right? You want to think about these things and produce your qualifications process. The questions you use to ask though are really easy. It's the answers that will decide your process. Now. Once you've had a prospect go through all of those questions, you then just need to objectively score them and, and make sure that you're comfortable accepting them as a new customer. And that's a really important distinction. We're deciding whether they stack up to our standards, right? This is just more qualification. We're positioning our expertise at every step as the prize in this relationship. So we're just gonna simply score their answers against your ideal customer. And remember, you have complete control here. If you're willing to compromise because a particular element didn't fit perfectly, but all the others did, well, that's entirely up to you. So let me, let me just give you an example of how, how this works. If you scored each question out of five, then 25 would be a perfect score. But maybe you decide that your cutoff is a score of 17, okay? So, that would be based on all five questions. In time, you're gonna identify where the score represents someone you want to take on as a client and where the score tells you that they fall short, okay? One caveat, make sure you've got a cutoff against each element, okay? So just to take that example further, perfect score is 25. You've got a cutoff of 17. Let's imagine they got four fours and a one. Even if they got four out of five for four out of five questions, if they're a zero or a one on one of the questions, they will cause you problems in that area. Okay? So put a cutoff on each one. Maybe that's three out of five. Maybe you want some more flexibility, you put a total of 10 for each. So for a total of 50 overall, and maybe your cutoff is going to be six out of 10 or four out of 10, okay? Again, in time, you will recognize a pattern that tells you the best customers versus the, the more difficult ones, and you'll be able to adjust your score as you go along in time. But for right now, I would recommend just split the difference. Maybe use tens so you can get an exact down the middle of five, okay? And then you have a perfect score of 50. Anyone under 25 is not gonna work. Anyone under five on, on any question is not gonna work. So let's imagine they got three tens, that doesn't automatically make them a perfect customer if they got two ones as well or two zeros as well, okay? So you're gonna score a total. You want X amount of that total to decide if you if, the, if this is a good customer. And then within those totals, you want X amount out of each individual element. Begin with 50%, change that as you get some experience scoring your clients and you will know. Or if you've already got clients you can look back on, go back and score them. Go back and score how they looked. You might already have these questions answered. So again, just a simple score out of five based on their responses. Perfect score is 25. Obviously, you're gonna take that client on every time. But knowing that not every client is perfect, maybe set a minimum score of three for each element or set that minimum score of five out of 10, okay? And that's gonna give you that cutoff of either 15 or 25 in the event that you had a total of 50. And you can be pretty confident, as long as there are no ones or zeros in there, you can be pretty confident that that's gonna be a good fit for you. And again, back to what I said previously, you decide how flexible you are 
within each of these elements, B, A, N, T, or S, is there a, t for example, maybe time scale? Maybe you're more flexible on time scale. Maybe you don't need a five out of 10. Maybe you're good with a three out of 10 or a four out of 10, okay? You decide your flexibility and that decides what your cutoff score is to decide a good client versus a bad client, okay? Now, remember when I said high ticket clients are gonna require some human interaction back at the beginning of this? This is where we begin communicating with them, but we're still evaluating them, okay? So everything up to this point can be automated, which is amazing because this is how you keep your eye on the prize. Once you set up this incoming system, they will either qualify or they won't qualify. And you're only going to be dedicating time to those who do. I learned this from a, a coach of mine, Frank Kern. Frank Kern refers to himself as a binary thinker. He says there are two people in the world, customers or non-customers. And guess which ones get 100% of his, his thinking time? Customers. It's all he's interested in. Okay, It's the only people he's thinking of. This is also where you're going to do things differently from what you're probably used to which of course continues to separate you from your competition in the eyes of your prospect, okay? So in the past, this is where you would typically say, thanks for filling in that form, how about we go for coffee? Or let's get on Zoom, or uh, let's have a meeting, or whatever. That If you do that here, everything you've done up until now is gonna go right back to square one, okay? So just stop, do not offer a meeting here, do not offer to get on Zoom, none of that sort of stuff. At this point, you've been able to get someone to give you the responses that you're happy with, right? Because otherwise, we wouldn't be continuing. Remember, binary thinking. We are never, ever, ever going to speak to a prospect who does not fit our ideal customer characteristics, okay? But in the history of the world, do you think that people might have given bogus answers to get what they wanted? <laughs> of course they have, right? So they'll be reading these questions and they'll be giving you answers that they think that you want to hear. So we need to vet them further, and it's actually pretty easy. So instead of going for a coffee, or instead of offering a meeting, you're gonna say, can we just jump on Skype, or can we just jump on Zoom or the phone for just a couple of minutes? I've got a few things I'd like to clarify, okay? Now the fact that you said a couple of minutes is gonna tell them, great, I'm gonna get them on the phone. That's from their perspective. From your perspective, it's gonna be, I'm only gonna spend a couple of minutes with you, okay? So you need to understand, no matter how well we present this, no matter how well we say, I just want a couple of minutes of your time, they're gonna be thinking, great, I'm gonna get a free consultation out of this. I'm gonna be better informed so I can keep shopping, okay? What we're gonna do instead is actually further qualify them to decide if they're the right ones to keep moving forward. Remember, up until this point, they've had to answer all of our questions, they've had to jump through a few hoops, they've had to be right in everything we've asked them to do before we even offer them this, okay? So we can be confident that they're either a good customer, sorry about that, they're either a good customer or they know what we want to hear. So again, all we're going to say is, thanks for filling out that questionnaire. I'd love to talk to you about it. Can we jump on Skype or the phone and just delve a little deeper into some of the answers that you gave me? Now, I have to warn you that you're going to feel like you're being unusually blunt during this call. And the reason is, we're going to be brutally honest. We're going to be polite about it, of course. But we're going to be very upfront about the fact that we're interested in vetting them in order to make a sale. Okay? 
There's plenty of time and place for giving knowledge and expertise away for free as a way of building know, like, and trust, okay? But that's before this stage. That's why they contacted you in the first place. At this stage, we're going through the final evaluation of a potential prospect who has actively requested to work with us, okay? Now that's not to say that you're gonna be mercenary about this, but it is important to remember we've only got 24 hours in a day and your clients, right, the ones who are paying you for your services, they already expect your everything during that 24 hours. So you can't be giving your time away for free when it should be used to further the successes of your paying clients, okay? And the benefits of being serious about this stage are enormous. Your close rate is gonna be significantly higher. Your stress level is gonna be significantly lower. And the amount of time that you personally invest in closing sales is going to be significantly less because you're gonna be filtering out the people who are not ready to make a commitment, right? So here's how you do it. First, you're just gonna tell them why you're calling. You're gonna tell them what your objectives are, how long it's gonna take. And so let me just go through an example and you can see how this sounds, okay? We'll say something like, I'm calling to make sure that I've got all the information from your form and to make sure that we can actually help you get what you need before we, and then whatever, right? You'll just say whatever your next step in your typical process is. Okay, so before we deliver a proposal or before we schedule your start date or before we send your invoice, right? Whatever the start of your typical project is and we do wanna speak in that future pacing sort of manner where we're just expecting that we've got this job, okay? Before we schedule your start date, before we send your invoice, right? I'm just expecting that we're moving ahead here. And then you this one's vitally important, then you need to say, is that okay? Okay, so you're gonna say, uh, I'm calling to make sure that I've got all the information from your form to make sure we can actually help you get what you need before we schedule, schedule your start date. Is that okay? It's really important to get their consent here. We wanna give them every chance in the world to wiggle out of this. Because if they're wiggly, we don't want them, okay? Life's too short, business hours are even shorter, and if they have undefined expectations, you're gonna have a project with a constantly moving finish line and you cannot move, you cannot hit a moving target, right? Next, we're gonna tell them how long this phone call should take. Again, to be respectful of their time, but also protect our own time, okay? We don't wanna leave this open-ended and have them think, oh, I've got this guy for as long as I want. I'm just gonna keep asking questions. So we'll say something like, this call should take around X minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, five minutes, right, whatever, however long you think it should take. This call should take around 10 minutes and then we can, and then your next project, project next step, exactly like we said before, okay? Schedule the next session, reserve your start date in the calendar, send your first invoice, right, whatever. We wanna keep repeating that so that they know we're expecting this project to move forward. We've acted like a professional all the way up to this. We've qualified them. We're the right person to get them results. Otherwise, they wouldn't be continuing. We've made it harder, right, than some of the cheap price Charlies. So they wouldn't be continuing otherwise. So we want to speak as if we're getting this, getting this job, okay? So again, this call should take around 10 minutes and then we can send your first invoice, right, whatever. And then we're just gonna go through the five killer questions, face-to-face -face or on the phone. So face-to-face -face if you're on Zoom or Skype or whatever, or on the phone. Remembering we needed to make sure the decision makers are on the call. So if they've said uh, such and such won't be here, you're just gonna say, all right, well, I really need all the decision makers on the call. It's only gonna be 10 minutes, but I really need everyone here. 
if they do book it in and then when you get on the call they say oh such and such has been called away this is where it's difficult but you really need to stick to your process and say all right well i can give you five minutes to wait but otherwise we're going to have to reschedule okay when that happens if if you get to that point one of three things is going to happen you should be prepared for these three things they're either going to frantically hunt around to find the person because they really want the details that they hope to get out of you on this phone call. Or they're gonna say, all right, let's reschedule. Or they're gonna say, see you later, and they won't be bothered, okay? Now, if that's the case, immediately you might think I've lost a sale, okay? If they say, look, let's not even worry about it, it's too hard, you're making this too hard, I'm gonna go elsewhere. The first thing we think is, oh, I've lost a sale. But I promise you, you have dodged a bullet. Every single time that we've lost a prospect because we stuck to our process, we have then heard from colleagues that that person was an absolute nightmare to deal with. So position yourself, position your expertise, and most of all, position the value that you bring as the prize. If the decision maker cannot be on the call, or if the purse string holder cannot be on the call, it is obviously not a priority to them. And therefore, your processes and your requirements won't be a priority to them either, okay? They all need to be there. Otherwise, what happens is the decision maker, uh, the marketing associate, associate uh, or whoever's missing is going to be filtered third-party information. And that is the single best way to achieve miscommunication and unrealistic expectations, okay? So ask about the budget, nail down the decision makers, when they say their needs, ask them, why do you need our services? What, what are the goals, okay? But here's where it's gonna be a little bit different than what we could do in the form. We wanna go a little bit deeper when we're in person for a couple of reasons. First of all, if you don't, you're gonna kinda of look like a bit of a douche, right? Because they're gonna be thinking, I've already answered all this. I already filled in your form. Why are you asking me all these same questions? But more importantly, we wanna get an exhaustive list of their reasons for working with you, okay? So here's a really simple technique to do this. Every time you ask a question, they'll respond, okay? So why do you need our services? Response. The next thing you say is, okay, what else? So if they say, well, we want to achieve X, you're going to say, okay, what else? You'll be writing these down, of course. Uh, we also want to achieve Y. Brilliant. What else? Eventually, it's going to feel kind of comical. <laughs> that you just keep saying, okay, what else, right? But you really need to get an exhaustive list. I aim for at least 10 items that this client wants to achieve. And this is so you can uncover all the real reasons that they're looking for your services, okay? Because people will often try and give a great first impression. And when they do that in this environment, they're gonna be downplaying some of their problems or their goals because they don't wanna look unsuccessful. They don't wanna look like they're struggling, okay? All we're doing is we're trying to get to the root of their needs so that we can decide if we're the right fit to solve those needs for them, okay? Take lots of notes during this. You wanna focus on their answers, but you also wanna focus on things like the vocabulary they use. So if you can write down as close to word for word or even record this call and then transcribe it, word for word, what they're asking for, and then once you have that list of their real needs and you've made sure they're on board with all of your Bantz questions, there's just one final question that we like to ask. And this is called the Dan Sullivan question. You might've heard of this. Basically it goes like, if we were having this conversation 12 months from today and you were looking back over that past 12 months, what would have needed to have happened 
for you to be happy with your results. And you really need to pay attention to this answer. Again, you want to get this down word for word or you want to record this because this is going to give you the insight into their real motivations. Okay. Again, make sure you make loads of notes, copious amounts of notes here because we're going to want to remember this result in the next thing we do with this client. Okay. Now, finally, with your complete understanding of their full needs, with your complete understanding of the actual motivations that this client has in requesting your services, you've got a really simple decision to make. Does this client fit your ideal profile? Is this project likely to be a success for both of you? And if the answer is yes, it's time for step number three in the process, which is closing them, okay? Now you've got a choice here. When you're closing, you're gonna decide how you want to offer your services, okay? If you've got a customizable service where you need to develop a proposal that outlines all the details and the deliverables and the timeframes and all of that sort of stuff, then you'll simply say that here, okay? Great, thanks so much for your time and for clarifying everything. I think I've got everything I need to put in to put together your proposal. Now don't tell them when you'll deliver it. Don't, don't ever say ASAP. Anytime someone says ASAP, they're expecting it today. Instead, set a time and date to deliver the proposal on another call, okay? Give yourself time to produce that proposal. Uh, it shouldn't be that hard, by the way, because you've got all the info that you need in this phone call. But don't give it enough time for them to go cold. Typically, we aim for two or three days. A week is too long. Uh, if they've contacted you, I promise they're contacting others. Uh, typically, we go for two or three days. Again, most of your proposal is complete from this phone call, from the notes you've been taking, so don't worry too much about how to produce that. This is if you've got a customizable proposal or a customizable service that requires a proposal. That's what you say then. You just say, uh, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for clarifying everything. I've got everything I need to put together your proposal. Uh, let's get together in a couple of days. I'll call you at X time. Does that work for you? Right. And then just keep that proposal simple. You want to include any terms of work. Uh, which is going to include things like changes and clauses, terms of payment, uh, the delivery process, maybe you're, uh, you deliver on milestones, maybe you deliver on dates, whatever. Again, you just want to keep this short. You want to repeat back to them their goals. You want to repeat back to them their customer needs. And you want to repeat back to them their company needs in the proposal. Okay. You want to take the actual terminology that they gave you and you want to use those exact terms in the proposal. By this time, they've been completely qualified. You've proven your insight and value and you've eliminated the cheap price Charlies. The next step is just going to be the same whether you send the proposal or whether you close them on the original call. And, and by that, all I mean is you never want to send a proposal and then sit back and wait. So we arrange that call to quote unquote deliver the proposal, right? Which allows us to field questions and it allows us to get a confirmation on the spot. You never want to say here, take all my hard work, take this proposal and go and shop it around to all my competitors, right? And the way I used to do it when we used to send proposals, we don't anymore because we're completely productized. Uh, the way I used to do it when we sent proposals was to have some preamble copy for each section and then just read the preamble copy without reading all the details, except for the price, okay? Always read the price details. Again, this is only gonna be relevant if you deliver customized services that require customized pricing and customized proposals, okay? 
we don't do that anymore again uh, we've productized everything so we just close on the phone or on the Skype during the original call because our price is already set for our productized service which is going to make life much much easier again at this point what you say next is the same if you're closing them on the original call so in the event that you have productized services and you know the prices you know which service you need to deliver to them to solve the problems that they've come to you with uh, so instead of saying I've got everything I need I'll get you a proposal instead you're just going to transition into the close but also this close I'm about to go through is the same thing you will go through on the second call if you have said I've got everything I need for a proposal I'll call you back on X date at X time and we'll go through it together okay so what what comes next is the same for either of those scenarios it's either a continuation of the same call where you're pitching your productized services or it's the second call where you're coming back with your product excuse me your customized proposal okay so this the way this looks from this point forward at this stage I simply deliver a proposal or the way I like to think of it is the prescription to fix what ails them okay and the way we do that is to say wow we've got a lot done today we've really dug into what you're try trying to achieve and then you're just gonna list what you've discussed okay which sounds a little bit like this well sounds like you want to build and leverage your company culture so that you can attract and retain world-class staff so we need to build your brand and in particular we need to focus on your employer brand your values and your vision and what sets working for your company apart from some of their other options does that sound right again we always want to get consent or buy-in okay which should be pretty easy here because we're prescribing the solutions which are pretty exciting to someone who's come to you with problems okay so does that sound right is usually going to be followed immediately but yeah 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 that sounds great then you might say uh, and it sounds like you want to simplify your business model so that you can stop having to reinvent the wheel with each project so we want to productize your services so that you can build some real differentiation you can claim an expert positioning and you can focus on one high value deliverable for a specific ideal client does that sound good to you now of course you wouldn't be offering branding like this unless you're a strategic branding agency like us or a branding consultant or a brand strategy consultant however you position yourself this is just to show you some examples of how this would look okay then you might say it sounds like you need to improve your sales copy so that you can finally get the right people to understand the real value in what you offer so we need to teach you how to develop your messaging so that you can express what makes you different you can speak directly to your client and you can lead them through the steps to becoming a client okay does that sound good to you and you would just repeat this right for every single thing that you're prescribing and once we've listed out all of the prescriptions we have which are the problem uh, excuse me the solutions to all of the problems that they told you they had all right we're not just prescribing stuff we can do we're prescribing the stuff that solves each of those problems that they had uh, and you, you heard the way I did that it sounds like you've got problem so we should solution and it also sounds like you've got problem too so we should solution too if they've only got one problem it's one solution fantastic right once you've finished listing all those problems and solutions out you're gonna ask the most obvious question in the world which is quite simply do you think if we actually did all this stuff we could and then you're gonna follow it up with the answer to the Dan Sullivan question remember the earlier I said take notes you want to say in 12 months what would have had to have happened for you to be happy with this this program project 
and take notes on their response. Imagine they had said uh, they want to increase revenue by 50% from $1 million. Uh, they want to add three new world-class staff uh, who specifically chose this company over other options. And they want to stop jumping from project to project and they want to stop spending all their lives putting out fires. The way you would ask this question at the end of you've just presented all the problems and solutions, you would then say, do you think if we actually did all this stuff, we could break that $1.5 million goal, we could get you three brand advocate staff uh, and we could simplify your, your process to eliminate chasing fires altogether? Or if you're not comfortable doing that, or if you missed all the notes when, when they answered the Dan Sullivan question, which will happen, especially when you're new to this, there's a lot going on. You could just simply say, does that sound like a pretty good plan to you? We've just said, sounds like you've got problem A, so I recommend we, we solution A. You've also got problem B, so I recommend solution B. You've also got problem C, so I recommend solution C. Does that sound like a pretty good plan to you? Right, that's the, the easy response, okay? Uh, the more difficult response, but the more powerful response is the, do you think if we actually did all this stuff, we could answer to the Dan Sullivan question, okay? We could uh, break that $1.5 million goal, we could get you three brand new brand advocate staff, uh, and we could eliminate the chasing fires altogether by productizing your services, okay? Do you think if we actually did all this stuff, we could go, 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 okay? Uh, or the easier way, does that sound like a pretty good plan to you? At this point, they are 99.999 recurring percent going to say yes. Why? You didn't just give them a proposal. All you did was repeat back the plan that they just designed with you, okay? You didn't pull all this stuff out of a hat. It came from them. You asked the questions. You got the problems, you then prescribed the solution to those problems. It is their plan. But we've got past all of the, I made a decision before contacting you on what I want, and we got into, you're the expert that can give me what I need, okay? And there's a very big distinction between what the client thinks they want when they come to you and what they actually need to achieve their goals, okay? So once they say yes, we just move them into finishing off this close, okay? And this could not be more simple. All you're gonna say is, I agree. I think this sounds like an awesome plan, okay? So you've just said, do you think that sounds like a good plan? Or do you think if we did all this, we could goal one, goal two, goal three? I agree. I think this sounds like an awesome plan. Would you like my help to implement it? That's all it needs to be. That is your close. That is as, as difficult as your close needs to be because you've done all the work. It doesn't need to be any more complicated at this point. This is not some fancy sales technique. Uh, that's not me, I'm a, I'm a level nine billion introvert. I don't go in for all the sales techniques or anything like that. Uh, I spent the first 30 years of my, my life in Australia, so I have a very advanced bullshit meter, uh, as any Australians listening to this will recognize that. Uh, you can read through sales techniques pretty easily. That's not what this is. This is just saying, we've just built this plan together. Do you want my help doing it? Simple as that. And because you've done all your work previously in keeping out all of those less desirable prospects, the, the takers, the ones who just want free stuff, free cons consultations, etc., etc., there is a very good chance that they say yes here, okay? Not everyone will. 
you do have to allow for some weirdness, okay? Not everyone will. At this point, there is a chance that someone snuck through who really didn't have the budget and they just lied their face off to get to this point. Write that off as a cost of doing business. But by this stage, if you've done everything right, the overwhelming majority of your prospects who get to this stage will say yes. And then when you've closed them verbally, when you said, does this sound like a good plan? Great, yes. Would you like my help with that? When they've said yes, all you need to do, you just need to be prepared with the details of what happens next. And this is going to be unique to your service, right? It's going to be something like, uh, great, I'll have my assistant get you on the books as a client. Uh, he or she will send you the first invoice and then give you a call to schedule the first session or whatever, right? Well, however your project looks, whatever you do to start a project, that's what you need to do. You just need to edit that end to suit this process, okay? So uh, you get the verbal yes, and then you just need to be prepared with the what happens next, okay? And that is actually it. If you deploy these three steps, you will go a long way towards eliminating tire kickers and price shoppers while also pre-qualifying your best prospects and then closing them by offering real value to solve their unique problems okay so that's it for this video i really hope you enjoyed this uh this episode as much as i enjoyed making it for you i really do love teaching this stuff i love simplifying this stuff and making it much more clear for you uh, the worksheet will be below this episode you can download that and work through it uh, either re-watching re this uh, or as you as you went through if you filled it in uh, you can come back and re-watch this at any time uh, on our blog under the podcast section uh, buildingbrandsforclients.com uh, and if you have uh, anyone, if you know anyone who might find this helpful, please feel free to share it with them as well. Uh, if you have any questions, there's obviously a comment section on our blog uh, in the podcast section under this one. Uh, or in the event that you're watching this on YouTube, you can certainly post a comment there. And I will be very happy to answer all your questions and see what we can do to get you moving forward to a very, very simple pre-qualification process that's going to present you and your expertise as the prize instead of your client's money. I'll see you in the next one. This is The Brand Sprint Show with Bruce White, the podcast for thinkers, writers, and researchers to get the best practical advice on how to consult, how to sell, and how to deliver brand and strategy sprints right across your clients' business life cycles. Because you can always add more value.